Okay, Nugent News Network, back at you. Um, I did the Tribune earlier, and I screwed up the logistics, as I often do. So if you want to listen to that, uh, it's called the Trib, but I think you're going to have to wade through the piece I did on the, the grand old party, or GOP. So, now today's a double feature for me, at least, I hope for you, because I got the Week magazine as well as the Tribune. So, we start out with What Price Freedom in the editor's letter, William Falk. And he asks that question. Uh, the freedom to not socially distance and wear the mask. The flu, normal flu, kills anywhere from twelve to 52,000 Americans a year. The COVID has killed an average of 360,000 a year. And again, as I've said before, it's underreported that just about as many have died under Biden as did Trump, as did under Trump. Now, it's worse than that because uh, 20 million Americans have long COVID, which is bad. You don't want to get that. So he says the shape-shifting virus may return, which is hopefully not anti-Semitic. I mean, I don't think there are any Jewish viruses. But uh, we do have the weapons to keep the virus under control, but we lack the social cohesion to follow a coherent national strategy. Now, China has that, you know, by hook or by crook. Uh, it's an autocracy, so they can they make people stay in their apartments and, until further notice. And some of the people don't mind that, I guess. But could we do that here? Should we do that here? I don't know. My personal position is that I'm not wearing a mask anymore. I've been quadruple vaxxed. And, you know, I think I'm okay. And I think a lot of people have a natural vaccination from having had the virus. So I'm more on the liberal side of that in the traditional sense. Let people, if you want to wear a mask, go ahead. If you don't, go ahead. Now here's a, I have never liked these workplace phony celebrations. Under Only in America, a jury awarded a Kentucky man $450,000 after he was fired by a medical laboratory for refusing to attend his own birthday party because he had an anxiety behavior. So there's an Americans with Disabilities Act suit. I would, if they try to have a party for me someplace, I won't go just on the hope that they fire me and I can get a half a million dollars out of it. Not that anybody's going to hire me. Rewrites. Uh, bad week for rewrites after Google, and this is under the woke joke department, after Google suspended use of its new inclusive language algorithm, that steered Google Docs users away from words like policeman or mankind. Vice, the website, found the tool objected to motherboard and landlord and attempted to revise a speech by the woke icon, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. So, now, I'm adding in a right-wing extremist category. You know, if I'm going to criticize the left, I've got to be equal opportunity. Fairness doctrine here at Nugent News Network. State troopers ordered by Republican Governor Greg, Governor Greg Abbott to 
inspect every commercial truck from Mexico detained no illegal migrants and made no drug seizures while costing the state billions of dollars. Talk about stupidity. So, you know, neither side has a monopoly on idiocy. It's a bipartisan sport. Now, I am now calling Vladimir Putin Rasputin. It's a story here in the world at a glance. Dead oligarchs. Two Russian oligarchs were found dead alongside their wives and children last week in eerily similar cases. Vladislav Areyev, 51, formerly of Gazprom Bank, found dead in his Moscow apartment. It looked like he shot his wife and daughters then himself. The next day... <laughs> Sergei Protosenia, former deputy chairman of gas firm Novatech, discovered in a luxury holiday villa in Spain, wife and teenage daughter stabbed in their beds. Authorities believe he killed them in a fit of rage before hanging himself, but no, no suicide notes, no fingerprints on the weapon. Protens... Prostasenia's son, Fedor, clever fellow that he is, suspects murder. <laughs> you know Putin did that. This man is evil. Now, under people, the Vatican has an AI specialist. This sounds like that priest that was on Saturday Night Live. I forget his name. The Vatican's AI specialist, Father P Paolo Benanti is helping the Catholic Church understand how artificial intelligence will transform the world. He has a PhD in AI at Georgetown. He teaches in Rome, instructing theologians and priests on the ethical implications of cutting-edge technology, counsels Pope Francis, who has serious reservations about AI. The idea that if we transform human beings into data, they can be processed or discarded as something that really touches the sensibility of the Pope. Church leaders are particularly worried AI may worsen inequality. If you look at what happened to children and the elderly in the first Industrial Revolution, they were either overused or excluded by the changes in society. The way AI could shape, reshape the way in which wealth and power are distributed could be really unmerciful for the most fragile ones. But he says he's not anti-AI, and he's arranged meetings between the Pope and Microsoft and other tech leaders. He's interested in how AI can change the shape of trust, truth, and knowledge. Well, I would think the Vatican would have better things to do than that. You know, AI is a tool. So you can beat it into a plowshare like a sword, I suppose. But it's also overrated, by the way, in terms of its efficacy. So to the extent that it does stupid things, <laughs> maybe we should invent some artificial stupidity. But a lot of times it does do stupid things. You have to, it's like any other tool, you know. A good carpenter can use a hammer very well in a saw, and a bad carpenter can destroy a building with it. Now, here's another 
Me Too situation. Bill Murray, of all people, was accused last week of touching women inappropriately on a film set, causing the production to be suspended. Accused of being very hands-on and touching, not in any personal areas, but put an arm around a woman, touched her hair, pulled her ponytail. Well, what do you expect from Bill Murray? I mean, remember him with, uh, yeah, what was her name? The old Saturday night sketches. Now you get old and you get out of touch with the mores of the generation. Murray's behavior stopped short of assault. I, I would say so. But some women felt uncomfortable and he crossed the line. Murray's been accused of violence and harassment on sets going back to his days on Saturday Night Live when he and Chevy Chase got in a brawl. Last week, Richard Dreyfus's son, Ben Dreyfus, said Disney had to hire bodyguards to protect the cast and crew of the 1991 comedy, What About Bob from Murray's Rages? So he's got an anger management issue. He's not as, not as easygoing a fellow as you would think. Speaking of easygoing people, or the opposite, Mike Tyson pummeled a fellow first-class passenger on a flight departing from San Francisco, bloodying the man's forehead. <laughs> In videos of the incident, a man seated behind Tyson appeared to be trying to provoke the former heavyweight champ, repeatedly tapping his head while Tyson sat quietly. What a bad idea. Tyson claims he threw punches after the man Marvin Melvin Townsend III, and if he keeps acting like this, there's not going to be a Melvin Townsend IV. Tossed a water bottle at him. This guy must have been stone drunk. Townsend didn't file charges, but he hired a lawyer looking for a shakedown. As one of the greatest fighters of all time, Mr. Tyson should have exercised greater restraint before using his hands on an overly excited fan. Well, he probably should have called the flight attendant. Rapper ASAP Rocky was arrested last week on a charge of assault with a deadly weapon related to a 2021 shooting. Rocky, 33, was handcuffed at the Los Angeles airport as he returned with his pregnant girlfriend, Rihanna, 34, who's a big deal, I guess. From a trip to her native Barbados, he reportedly posted a half a million dollar plus bail Officers say the November 6th shooting involved an argument between Rocky and an acquaintance that resulted in Rocky allegedly firing a handgun, I guess, at the airport. You know, that's not good. Causing a minor injury. New York rapper made international news in 2019 after he was detained in Stockholm over an alleged street fight leading former President Trump to call Sweden's prime minister on his behalf. No doubt in exchange for a small fee. Now, homelessness. Living on the streets. Taking it to the streets. Taking it to the streets. Now, over 600,000 people have taken it to the streets being homeless, 226,000 of them sleep outside rather than in shelters. Okay. 
It's hard to count these folks, but that's the estimates. Now, why do people become homeless? As I have argued, and it's a fact, it's not an argument, mental illness, the deinstitutionalization and defunding of psychiatric care preceded a spike in homelessness in the 1980s. So they're not saying it's causation, it's correlation, but it's causation, trust me. When you let people who are that mentally ill out of their safe, relatively safe confinement, they end up on the streets. One quarter of all homeless people suffering from a serious mental disorder such as schizophrenia. Drug and alcohol abuse counts for another third. And that's another form of mental illness, okay? That's self-medication. So now we're up to 55%. Half of them are either mentally ill, seriously, or drunks or junkies. So that's that. Now, then maybe economic factors come into play with the other 45%, okay? So the homeless don't like living in the shelters because they're like barracks, and theft, lice, infestation, and confrontations are commonplace. Because you got nuts and drunks and druggies, right? So naturally, they're stealing and they're fighting and... Some states, like Alabama, Washington, and Texas, are clarifying their involuntarily, involuntary commitment laws to make it easier to hospitalize people. But the trouble is now there's no psychiatric hospitals to put them in because the demand dried up when you basically did the one flew over the cuckoo's nest maneuver. So that everybody's like Randall Patrick McMurphy or Big Chief, right? If you've read the book. Dozens of tiny house communities have popped up. Transitional housing... More privacy, I think that's a good idea. 373,000 units of permanent supportive housing, which was 90% effective, according to The Lancet, at preventing future homelessness. So give them a home, right? Or the Buffalo Roam, but don't make them live in a group home. I think that's a good idea. You heal better when you have a door you can lock. I agree. So that should be pretty effective. Now, California has 25% of the nation's homeless because it's a liberal paradise, right? In L.A. County, they've got 66,000, which is, what, 10%, over 10% of the national total? And that should be, if you did a proportion of the population, that should be the total in California. But in fact, it's there, there must be 120, like almost 150,000 of them. And L.A. alone is almost 10%, and it's going to go up to 90,000 next year. Good Lord. This is what happens. First of all, the weather doesn't, you know, there's not too many homeless in, like, North Dakota because they freeze to death. So the weather is a problem. The weather is nice, but it's also got a downside. But the, the liberal mentality is, too, in my opinion, the progressive mentality. Now, here's an inspiring story. It must be true, I read it in the tabloids. This just goes to show you how much people value their cell phones, okay? <laughs> Firefighters rescued a woman who fell headfirst into an outdoor toilet at the top of Washington's Mount Walker while attempting to fish her cell phone out from the waist. 
After dropping the phone while using the vault toilet, a large public outhouse, the woman used dog leashes to hold herself while reaching down into the muck. That didn't work very well, and in she went, said Brennan Fire Department Chief Tim Manley. The woman did find her phone, I guess, because she called 911. <laughs> so you got to give her credit for that. And after the rescue, they pulled her out. She declined medical attention, just wanted to go home. So this is literally up shit creek without a paddle, to, to quote John Belushi, in animal, in, not an animal house, in the Blues Brothers. Well, I guess you're up shit creek. Or down, down it, I suppose, in this case. Now, on polarization, here's the viewpoint from David French in The Dispatch. The most polarized Americans are disproportionately white and college-educated on the left and disproportionately white and retired on the right. No, not college-educated. The people disproportionately driving polarization in the United States are not oppressed minorities, but rather some of the most powerful, privileged, wealthiest people who've ever lived. They enjoy more freedom and opportunity than virtually any prior generation of humans, all while living under the protective umbrella of the most powerful military in the history of the planet. It's simply an astonishing level of discontent in the midst of an astonishing level of wealth and power. Boy, ain't that the truth. I don't have nearly as much a problem with people of color who agitate as I do with their allies who, you know, like the one who made the the high school students wear chains and pick cotton seeds out of cotton. The woke white. What do they know about it? It's a black thing you wouldn't understand. All right, we flip, flip, flip. Okay, here's the wit and wisdom. Politics is a practice, whatever its professions, has always been the systematic organization of hatred by Henry Adams. Every generation, civilization is invaded by barbarians. We call them children, Hannah Arendt and the Bulwark. All art begins as a struggle against chaos, Andre Malraux. We are in, we are an impossibility and an impossible universe, Ray Bradbury. All life is a chance. The man who goes furthest is generally the one who is willing to do and dare, Dale Carnegie. Of course, if you live in fame, you can die in flames, as the Air Force anthem says. Live by the sword, die by the sword. Here's the innovation of the week for all you green buffs. Electricity-generating kites are a novel approach to harnessing wind power, said Dina Teresa in interestingengineering.com. That sounds like a nun's name, Dina Teresa. Germany-based kite craft carried out Autonomous testing last year of the flying wind turbine power system consisting of a large kite, 33-foot wingspan, equipped with rotors that harvest wind energy as it soars in a figure-eight pattern. A tether attached to the kite, or a tether attaches the kite to a small ground station that transmits the electricity. Uses far less material than wind turbines 
winds are often strongest at higher elevations, and the kites need to be bigger to handle that. Companies working on a 65-foot wingspan that can produce five times the energy, 500 kilowatts, enough to power about 375 typical U.S. homes. Now, what could go wrong with that? Well, wind stops blowing, kite crashes. There's a thunderstorm, kite crashes. I suppose you could pull it in and land it, you know. And you don't want to have Charlie Brown in charge of that. Not good with kites. And I'll end up in a tree, the kite-eating tree. Here's a book about the right, The Hundred-Year War for American Conservatism by Matthew Continetti, who's the son-in-law of Bill Kristol, famous conservative, neoconservative. To him, Donald Trump's rise completed the demise of peak conservatism under Reagan. He's not sure it can recover from that. He views the history of conservatism as a long war between his forebears and the elite and the grassroots populace who inflame the base's worst instincts, which I agree with. He draws the line against storming the Capitol. He argues the right began to unravel after Ronald Reagan and has yet to find another leader who can tie the ideals of the nation's founders to a political agenda relevant to the challenges of our post-Cold War world. But it looks like we're going back into Cold War II, thanks to Rasputin. And, you know, the Newt Gingrich era was the beginning of that. I mean, this was just a nasty guy. Not a nice guy. Reagan was a nice guy. Say what you want about him. It was all about tough love. Now, here are best books. I usually don't cover this, but Yasha Monk, who's a political scientist who wrote a book called The Great Experiment, which examines how to prevent the collapse of democracies by bringing internal, bridging internal divides. I'd like to read that if I had time to read stuff like that. And he picks out uh, several books. One is The Righteous Mind by Jonathan Haidt, H-A-I-D-T, which is about defeating the tribal nature of humanity to preserve democracy. The Narrow Corridor by James Robinson... argues that to be free, we have to protect ourselves from tyrannical majorities and cages of norms constructed by their own communities. I don't know about that. Racecraft by Barbara Fields and Karen Fields argues that it's impossible to overcome racism while those who believe they are fighting against it uncritically subscribe to racial categories. That sounds very worthwhile reading to me. The Great Demographic Illusion is that there are two monolithic blocks, whites and people of color. That is not true. Thankfully, a myopic way to conceive today's reality 
is wrong. Liberalism and its discontents by Francis Fukuyama, the basic values of liberal democracy, are now under attack from foreign dictators like Rasputin and domestic enemies like Donald Trump. Well, the book explains how illiberal political forces came to be so powerful and why the fundamental values of our political system are worth fighting for. And I think the explanation for that is William James's quote that politics is basically organized hatred, you know, because that's the most powerful emotion, hate and anger, much more powerful than any other emotion, and emotions are much more powerful than logic. So there you go. That's why I don't like people who are passionate about that. I'd rather have dispassionate people myself, like myself. Uh, Bottom line, under business, 92 immigrants hailing from 36 different countries have become billionaires in America with a combined net worth of $711 billion, 15% of all American billionaire wealth. So only in America is true, folks. And I guess that's a bad thing if you're a progressive. I think it's a great thing. Since August, there have been 37 hacks in 38 weeks that have drained about $2.9 billion worth of crypto. Another reason why I stay away from crypto. I'd rather squander my own money rather than have somebody else squander it. U.S. home prices rose 20% year over year in February. Phoenix reported the highest gains. And that's that would get me back to even on my house if that turns out to be the case. I talked to another realtor who said the market is booming because people are worried about interest rates going higher, so they're trying to buy now. That's not the cash buyer, obviously. Now, this is something I'm keeping for the day job. Flying into the hell of medical bills by Chris Stanton in New York Magazine, an $86,000 bill for a air medical bill, air ambulance bill, $86,000 to to medevac somebody out of a ski resort and into a major metro hospital. That's bizarre. And it's private equity behind it, by the way. For those of you who are hockey fans, Guy Lafleur died. I didn't realize. I suppose I should have known this. Guy Lafleur is older than me. Uh, born in 51, three years older than me. Died at the age of 71. So, you know, when, they, when the horn goes off and it's the end of the third period and there's no overtime, that's time to skate off the ice. Tomorrow is promised to no one. Now, there's an article about living next to the doomsday machine. You know, we're thinking of moving out of state, and I said to my wife, you know, we should move next to a nuclear missile silo because that definitely brings down the price of property. You could buy the property for $150 an acre. Now, if there's a nuclear war, you're the first to go, but that's I want to be the first to go. So we could move to Montana or Nebraska, Wyoming, North Dakota, or Colorado, you know. 
I could go for that. You can also move into an abandoned silo. I don't think the wife would like that. But this is worth reading. Uh, it was in the Washington Post by Ed Saslow. It's titled in here, Living Next to the Doomsday Machine. I would, I would love to live next to a nuclear missile. I would. Anyway, that's about it for this week's week. Live long, prosper. And uh, remember, this episode is brought to you by Terrific Writing, LLC. We create writing worth reading, so if you need any or you know anybody who does, uh, we're never too busy for referrals. You can reach me at 708-334-8414 by text or by voice. Bye-bye. Oh, and follow me on LinkedIn, will you? Uh, Terrific Writing, LLC. Just Google it, follow it. And then you'll get my weekly newsletter in case you can't get enough of Nugent News. Bye-bye.